Gridlions is a proud sponsor of Public Power Underground, a subsidiary of Nextair Energy and the leading transmission company in North America. Gridlions is a transmission-only utility company that's more than just wires. With operations in three regional transmission organizations, Gridlions works with electric cooperatives and municipal utilities to create collaborative solutions that integrate renewable energy and improve the reliability and resiliency of the electric grid. Learn more at gridlions.com. That's G-R-I-D-L-I-A-N-C-E dot com. Great to see you all, and thanks for coming out. Uh, my name is Tim Hogans. I'm a project director with development and Gridlions, and really happy to be here. And we want to welcome you all to our second annual symposium, and it's great to see you all. I know it's a challenge to get across the company and across the country as well, but you made it. And so for that, we say thank you so much. But on a serious note, if you would, please help me welcome to the stage Natalie Smith, president of Gridlions. Natalie. Thank you, Tim, and we're so thrilled to have everybody here. We're gonna do a little podcast tonight here, live from the symposium. It's the Public Power Underground podcast. We're gonna do a little hot ones. The more controversial the topic, the hotter the wing. We're just thrilled. Everyone's time is precious. We know that. And so the fact that you chose to come here and be with us means a lot to us. And let's engage in some great dialogue and a little bit of uncomfortable controversy and have a wonderful time and come back again next year. So we're thrilled to have you here. That's all I have to say today. You'll hear from me more tomorrow in the morning. But with that, thank you so much to Paul Dockery, Jordan White, Whitney Muse, Crystal Ball, Mark Lobby. Who am I missing? I'm missing one person, I think. Anyway, thank you so much to all the folks who have agreed to do the podcast tonight. And we're going to be broadcasting live from the Gridlions Symposium. And hope you all enjoy it. So thank you. And thank you to Natalie for the introduction. Uh, this is a live recording, the nuance of which is, uh, you know, maybe unnecessary to explain, but we may edit in post before it will be, uh, you know, deployed to all your smart devices through the podcast app of choice. Um, I'm very excited for this. I'm ready. Are you all ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. We started in hard times to bring us all in Into the laughter through thick and through thin For public power enthusiasts without and within Roll on enthusiasts, roll on Welcome to a special recording of Public Power Underground live from Gridlines' Transmission Solutions Symposium in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm Paul Dockery, a host of Public Power Underground and Senior Manager of Energy Resource Strategy and Planning for Seattle City Light. And I'm Crystal Ball, an executive producer yes, of yes, Public Power Underground. And I am also the executive director of the Pacific Northwest Utilities Conference Committee, also known as PNUC. PNUC, not PNUC. 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 That's right. On it's fun to say, but get it right. It is, it is fun to say once you get it. <laughs> On Public Power Underground, we talk about the electric utility enthusiasm trifecta of electrification, markets, and people. And since there's no transition without transmission, deploying grid infrastructure connects all three. 
And on today's episode, we have three experts to talk about hot topics in transmission from engineering, policy, and business perspective. Bringing an engineering perspective is the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, NERC's chief engineer, Mark Lobby. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. You have to talk out. So, Thank you. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is a theory of podcasting I'm going to share with y'all. This is Inside Baseball. But there's something like an auditory landscape. So in order to enter the auditory landscape, you have to actually say something. So that makes sense? That's, this is Inside Baseball of podcasting. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mark, uh, when I think about the people working at NERC, I think of stewards of reliability. How does one become a steward of reliability? Oh boy, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think it's just a matter of understanding what, what the basic importance of reliability is that builds everything, everything's built on top of it. You know, you talked about markets, you talk about the, the tr transmission and transition. Without reliability, it gives us, you know, that, that gives us license to do this. And that's something we're going to have to keep, uh, of course, our, our eyes on going forward. And so I think, uh, you know, I think everybody here actually is a steward of reliability, not just uh, certainly NERC. But it's nice within tech. our it's within our DNA, isn't it? Yeah, it always has been. It always has and, been. And, and safety. And, well, yes, it's safety. But and, and I can't do anything about safety other than say, don't do that. Uh, but because uh, because NERC is by 215 can't do anything around safety. But certainly when it comes to reliability and certainly working with industry to write the standards, to follow the standards, you know, it's really a, a, a and, it's, and it's ingrained from 1965 when we had the blackout. It was a traumatic experience for the industry. And that's when they formed NERC. That's when they formed EPRI. And they continue to work together today. Well, thank you for working there. Yeah, thank you. Bringing a policy perspective to the discussion is Whitney Muse, a senior policy advisor for the White House Office of Clean Energy Innovation and Implementation. Hi, Whitney. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here today. Thank you. Auditory landscape. So prior to going to the White House office, you were uh, you helped set up the grid deployment office. So I got that right from your bio. You did. And you were there for how, like it, it's new, so you were there for a year, how long? I was there for its first 15 months or so. And prior to that, was at the Office of Electricity at the Department of Energy. And so really working on these grid topics in an office focused more on the research and development arm. And then with the new tools from the Infrastructure Bill and the Inflation Reduction Act that I'm sure we'll talk about today, really focused on deployment on the grid and bringing those tools and solutions to everyone. Yeah, implementation. Love implementation. Put some steel in the ground. Right, Jordan? Right, Jordan? Amen. That's right. Uh, bringing a business perspective uh, is Jordan White. Jordan is an executive director of development for the host of this Transmission Solutions Symposium, Gridlions. Gridlions is a Nextera Energy transmission company. Nextera Energy is one of the America's largest capital investors in infrastructure, and Gridlions is also a sponsor of Public Power Underground. Thank you, Paul. Long-time fanboy, super enthusiast. <laughs> super enthusiast. And we're enthusiasts. That yeah. is that what is, we are. Yeah, we right. are enthusiasts. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, you put this together. What's the connection you have with Whitney and with Mark? Well, first of all, I've known Mark for years at my time at WEC. Um, I've known Whitney as a, as, as a, a recent, as I've worked more in the, the sphere of the public policy at a national level. But really, it's really, truthfully, like kind of a long-time journey of my life's career. Therapist lawyer, <laughs> utility lawyer, 
public service commissioner, and now bringing it all together is transmission, which is so key to have policy at the administrative level, and certainly reliability is absolutely a key fundamental aspect of it. So I'm just thrilled to be here. Yep, and we're thrilled to have you deploying. Deploy, 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 deploy. as Jerry right. Shaw would say. Right. Deploy, 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 deploy. And you've made all of these connections. Yes. Yes, I mean, it's like, it, it takes having like 500 jobs to really figure out the electric system. <laughs> no joke. Public no power, joke. reliability, joke. commission, investor-owned, <laughs> public power, it's, it, it's, it's finally all come together now, at this moment. We're all together here, together to solve the problems of the interconnection. Okay, so Natalie set it up for us, but the format for today's discussion of hot topics in transmission is inspired by the YouTube series Hot Ones. Anybody see Hot Ones ever? Oh, good. Oh, yeah, good, we good. got some So you're going to get this. You can help everybody at your table, too. Uh, hot Ones, uh, where celebrity guests sit down to a series of increasingly difficult questions while eating a series of hotter hot wings. Oh, you got your hot wings. Yeah, get into it. <laughs> and all three of our experts have a selection of spicier and spicy wings. And Paul and I have a series of spicier and spicier topics. So I'm going to shout out to Robert Cromwell, who, who inspired this uh, topic and format. He, he, so Robert Cromwell, thank you for the idea. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to introduce a very, very mild topic, recent bulk electric system outages in Texas and Utah caused by inverter-based resources while well, y'all eat your perfectly mild wings. So uh, we'll start with NERC's Electric Reliability Organization, ERO, 2023 Reliability Risk Priorities Report. NERC's Reliability Issues Steering Committee, RISC, is an advisory committee that reports directly to the NERC Board of Trustees. You can keep eating. There's so much more content. Okay. <laughs> there's so, there's, you know NERC. It's, it's, it takes a long time to get Lots through anything. Lots of acronyms. Uh, so this uh, RISC is an advisory committee that reports directly to the NERC Board of Trustees and triages and provides front-end high-level leadership and accountability for nominated issues of strategic importance to the bulk power system. Every year, the RIS RISC generates a reliability risk priorities report with recommendations on how NERC, the electric reliability organization, enterprise, and industry should take to enhance reliability and manage risk to the bulk power system. There's so, much, there's so much background, but it's all good. Keep it's going. all good. Keep eating. Yeah, keep eating. <laughs> a common theme and emerging trend identified in the 2023 priorities report was that, quote, grid transformation is happening quickly, and reliability considerations must align with the pace of change, unquote, with a subpoint of that observation being, quote, Emerging technologies and how best to plan and incorporate those into a reliable, resilient, and secure bulk power system remains important. The 2023 priorities report was approved by the RISC. Is that risk? Risk. Okay. All right. In July 2023, and in August 2023, a report on the Southwest Utah disturbance that happened back in April was jointly published by NERC and WEC staff. So the executive summary of the Southwest Utah disturbance report explains the reasons for continuing to analyze disturbances that involve the widespread abnormal performance of inverter-based resources. One, identify systemic reliability risk issues 
two, support affected facility owners, and three, share key findings and recommendations broadly with industry for increased awareness and action. So, Mark, you're the chief engineer for NERC. What's your spiciest take on these events and inverter-based resource outages, and why is it about grid-forming inverters? Well, I'll tell you, if that's a, if that's a, a mild one. <laughs> this is our mildest one. <laughs> This is our mildest one. Well, grid-based yeah. inverter, grid-forming inverters. Change, yeah. change, man, change. I mean, we, we've got to change. We've got to change the way in which we integrate this technology. We can't use, you know, the old models of the day. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm an engineer. Single-phase models. You can't use the. You can't be thinking about how you're going to integrate and commission these facilities in the same way you've done before. 2017, blue-cut fire, thousands of megawatts come off. Again and again and again, we, well, we, we don't write standards. We put out guidelines. We have you know, seminar workshops. People say, oh, it's just a California thing. Just California. Then Texas. Ooh, there it goes again, man. It's just a Two, Texas thing. 2,000 megawatts come out. That's just a te- and again, again, another 2,000. How long will it be before we have a bad day? It's not going to be very long before we have a bad day. Now we have Utah, and we have, again, inverter problems. Two things. One is get the engineering right. Three-phase models, understand how to integrate them right, make sure that, you, you, you know, that they will actually support the system during an event rather than say, adios, goodbye, I'll come back when I feel like it. No, you don't do that. We don't do that with asynchronous generators, and you don't do that with asynchronous generators. No. Second, deal with the uncertainty that we are building into the system, substantial amount of uncertainty. Before we had dispatchable resources, we had the back 40 full of coal and terrible nuclear rods and water behind dams, all those bad things. Now we have a great deal of uncertainty. How do we manage that uncertainty? Especially when one area gets hammered at the same time, wide, long, widespread, very deep, for a long period of time, and you can't count on your neighbor, guess what the solution is? Transmission. Oh, we need more transmission back to bring energy Hello. in from where it is to where it ain't. Brought it back around. Perfect. Yes. And grid forming inverters. And uh, grid forming inverters. Because <laughs> guess what? Inverters today are all a bunch of followers. They don't lead no one. Yeah, but they you can. follow the leader. But Who's, you can. You, you can they, build grid forming inverters. If you put grid forming inverters That's in place. Right. So we got to put Be those a leader. in. Every storage utilities. facility should have a grid forming. Uh, inverter, everyone to make, support the frequency because guess what? Generators, that's what they do frequency, voltage, current. That's as bloody simple. That's how you build a system. I love it. Yeah. Whitney, from a policy perspective. Yeah, give him some applause. That's a hot take. Hot take. He brought the hot take. <laughs> Sexy hurts so good. <laughs> Sexy hurts so good. <laughs> We'll want to bring everybody into this conversation. So, Whitney, from a policy perspective, is this a concern? Is the erosion of public support, uh, if uh, is there an erosion of public support if inverter-based resources are not perceived as reliable? 
I think the, the public support is around that last word, reliability. I think there's less understanding necessarily of the technical capacity and the technical features of the, of the grid. It is wanting reliable electricity all the time. That when you turn a light switch on, when you plug in your cell phone to charge, when you're working from home on your laptop, you want to be able to use the electricity that you have available. And increasingly, we're seeing more and more reliability concerns, some due to the grid, to the inverter challenges, but some also due to a number of factors of, of increased storm duration, you know, longer and more powerful storms. We're seeing um, just a, a wider variety of challenges to reliability. And again, to Mark's point, if you have transmission and you're able to lean on not just what you have in your footprint, but your neighbors, you're much more likely to have a reliable system and you're able to withstand any of those immediate and, and near-term disruptions. And so again, getting back to transmission being important to help weather the storm. Yeah, yeah. And I want to get a little bit deeper into these specific events and I want to bring you in, Jordan, to like the deep weeds with me here a little bit. Because these specific events aren't so much, wouldn't be solved by transmission necessarily because it's about the inverter tripping online when there's a grid event, right? Which why I brought up, and I think you agree with me, like a grid forming inverter is a really important component to it's these. It's not going to solve this problem, though. It's not going to solve this problem. That's why I want, to, I want no, you here to help me do this. Grid forming inverter is not going to solve the problem that, uh, that's, that, that the inverters say adios. The standards will help with that. The standards we need to ensure that, for example, if you have phase lock loop in, in asynchronism, Whatever that is. Yeah, you're the engineer, and I don't know what that <laughs> my, is. My point is, it's, it's a brand new set of failure modes that we need to understand, ensure that the standards are in place so that the inverter-based resources stay online when there's an event on the system. Contribute to reliability, just like a wellhead should. Oh, that's another problem. We, we don't get into gas yet, because that's another issue altogether. That's a but, spicy take for uh, the yeah, end, right? For the day. <laughs> but uh, that really supports the grid. And as well as all of those inverters on the distribution system supports the grid. Yeah. Because it, without the grid, you know, you can't transfer power from long distances. You don't have that. And by the way, markets. Let's go to the markets. No, we're going to go to markets. Okay, we're going to bring Jordan in on markets. Okay, we're going to bring Jordan in on markets, right? Because yeah. this gets to. Yeah, back and forth. Th yeah, this right. is a back and forth, right? I yeah. do want to get into the idea that we don't value, like, there are ancillary services that kind of monetize the capability for these types of resources now. If we want to commercialize, the deployment of like standards or grid forming inverters, we need to be able to monetize that capability. But what, what do you, what's your perspective on how we do that? And, am I missing something well, on the commercial, like how you actually? Okay, just laying the value. It. Um, therapist turned lawyer, not, 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 chief, not the chief engineer. Of but you're the business guy. You're my capitalist. Yeah, at the of course. Table. Yeah. So first things first. I, I would say is it really the first question is is like you know is it a hate the player or the game issue? In other words, yeah. Is it is it really are we like blaming the victim or is they just need to have like a different kind of program? We change the game or etc. Exactly. And what is the game? In other words, do we want to get into carrots or sticks? Because again, I'm not an engineer, but is there a potential for something called fast? Frequency response is that a thing? Did I make that up, or is that real? So, certainly. Is that a, is that a value? So in other words, if these things, if these um, IBRs, not, I like calling it inertia. Inertia. IBRs, not IBS. If those can. <laughs> By the way, if, if I don't have a job tomorrow, um, LinkedIn, Jordan, Jordan White. It's he dinner. did make me it's promise. Dinner. Dinner he did make me promise if we trigger an 8K in this conversation, yeah. we'll cut it in post. Post at he it. Made me, he made me post promise it. that. Yes, but no, I mean, if there, if there is a value, if, in other words, if we can really harness, and, and if we look, look at the whole landscape, it's really like a, like a, a finite amount of penetration now. But, it, but as we're going forward into, into the full decarbonization, should we really try to harness the value? And then, of course, 
how do we get that value in, in really to, to, uh, to the, the, the next level other than spreading it to a larger regional footprint, BA to BA, et cetera? And that's something that like, again, I don't understand, but I feel like that ultimately if that's the direction we're going, rather than admiring the problem, Let's maybe think about like what the potential solutions and how to harness it. We got the solutions. The, so, the, the standards. What's the solution? The solutions are already there. The standards. IEEE 2822. The standards are there, and we have to make sure that working with industry that, that we, of course, take, uh, build standards around these new resources. Let me tell you why standards are important. They keep the conversation going. Cold weather, 2011. You know, power plants. Oh, that's a bad thing. We should winterize. Okay, we're going to write a standard. No, no, no. Just, you know, got us a guideline. We have a guideline. We have seminar. We have site visits. There's another event. Oh, okay. Well, we got it now. With your, and it, it, it ends up being a risk to be managed when it's in a market. But what about the carrots? I, it, it, ends up being a, it's end up, it ends up being a risk in a market. The carrot is, for example, I'm going to pay you a certain amount of money if you show up. Well, I'm going to bet that I'm not going to have a cold winter this year, and I'm not going to winterize. That's the bet. We can't have that kind of bet, especially when many people are making the same bet. We have to have a con you have to have a standard in place, a regulation that says, I'm not gonna bet against law. Regulators mount up. Yeah. We got more we got more clapping. I love this. This is great. <laughs> I think that's just the mild that's just the mild take, okay? We're gonna move on to our medium. Clapping for standards, yes. Yeah. 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 Standards. Yeah. IEEE standards. Let's do it. Okay. While you, we're moving on to the medium wings, and while you're doing that, we're going to move on to a new mantra and the institutional evolution needed to be successful in the en energy transition. Take All it away. Right. So there is no transition without transmission. Is clean energy guru Rob Gramelik's latest mantra? And Stacy. There's Friend merch. The underground. Yeah. <laughs> and there's merch. Yes. And there's merch. Uh, Friend of the Underground and CEO of California Independent System Operator, Elliot Mainzer, was found sporting on Energy Twitter the new mantra, no transition without transmission. You saw the picture. I did. I, I found the picture. Yeah, you did. I saw the picture. It was yeah. good. <laughs> I love transition. I want the merch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you have this merch? I, I have a sweatshirt. Uh, a sweatshirt. How do we get it? I know. <laughs> yeah. We want on that we, list. Yeah, we need. We, 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 we need didn't to talk to Grandma. I got the tattoo. Oh, no, no, not there. Not Don't there. Don't show us now. Don't show us now. All right, all right, let's go back to this seriousness. Okay, a recent report from analysis and consulting firm DNV estimated that a cumulative 12 trillion will be spent on clean energy in North America by 2050. But. Neither the US nor Canada are on track to meet the 2050 net zero emission target. And the biggest barrier is? Anybody like gas? Heard it, yep. Yep, then we yep. got it. the lack of transmission. In a utility dive article reviewing the new report, Cornelius Plett, who leads DNV's power system advisory team, says the task of transmission building is also made more difficult by, quote, a regulatory framework that was designed in the 70s, 80s, and 90s in a period when the transmission system was basically considered done. The main goal during that time was to control costs and make sure that monopolies cannot abuse consumers and charge very high rates. So a lot of the regulatory frameworks, which are ultimately the frameworks that are really driving what we can build, are aimed at controlling costs. 
And even though that's really, that has worked out well for that system, a lot of those regulatory frameworks are not suited for the fundamental change that is now needed to happen. How's the, how are the wings? Are they hot? Are they spicy? Were they at all spicy? Yeah, they're, okay. yeah, they're getting spicier? All right, all right, okay. So Whitney, we talked about this. Um, prior to joining the White House Office of Clean Energy, you helped stand up the grid deployment office at USDOE. And uh, that office works to provide uh, maintenance or um, to maintain and invest in critical generation facilities to ensure resource adequacy and expanding transmission and distribution systems. So now, as senior policy advisor to the White House, what's your take on Gramlich's new mantra that there's no transition without transmission? I think from both the work at the Grid Deployment Office at the Department of Energy, the investments coming through the, the Infrastructure Bill and the Inflation Reduction Act, as well as the focus at the White House in my office, the Office of Clean Energy, Innovation and Implementation, and others, there's a real focus on transmission and a recognition that it's crucially important to transition and to meet the goals that are related and to really get the full success out of the, the pieces of legislation that have passed so far. Through the Grid Deployment Office, it really is an office that, that brings together the department's work on transmission deployment, focusing on planning, focusing on permitting and siting, as well as financing and, and bringing those three pieces together in an office to really work to address the, the multiple challenges that transmission has for it to be successful, successfully deployed. I don't think that there's any, um, there would be any question that we're not deploying transmission lines and we're not building it fast enough. We're you know, working and using all the levers that we have to expedite that. And, and we're seeing more transmission groundbreakings this year, albeit pr projects that have been in development for over a decade, but ones that are you know, certainly moving forward with progress for some of the larger interregional projects and as well as, as soon to come, um, some of the funding sources out of the infrastructure bill that are for transmission, including the, the new transmission facilitation program. There's other tools as well to help address some of the siting challenges in, in permitting ones, um, working with um, local and state um, colleagues and, and stakeholders to help address the, the challenges that can, that can hinder deployment there through a, a new transmission siting and economic development uh, program. And then also working collectively with the other federal agencies, recognizing that especially out here in the West, a lot of the transmission that we're seeking to build would go over federal lands and that is in and of itself a challenging permitting process. And so working to help expedite them and help to collaborate more because there is a need for transmission. If we're going to deploy the renewable energy and, and we see you know, much more solar and wind coming online, we see you know, many of those projects taking advantage of the benefits through the Inflation Reduction Act. We see increasing load with electric vehicles, with you know, facilities such as um, some of the hydrogen hubs and hydrogen facilities as well as new fabs for semiconductors through the Chips and Science Act, yeah. right? And so we see lots of load growing all across the country and we need a grid that can handle that to get back to the reliability point in the first one, in the first question that we had. Yeah, that's great to hear that you're going to these groundbreaking um, events. And so, yay, yay, transmission is getting built. Yeah. Yes. Move, move and dirt. it's important. Yeah. Stealing ground. Stealing the ground. Yeah. Stealing the ground. Moving the dirt, you know. 
Secretary Granholm loves a photo with a hard hat and a shovel in hand and a groundbreaking. <laughs> Absolutely. And she looks good. And Wendy, how does she feel about a picture with a Reliance pin on? Is that, is that something right that she's here. like? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't commit her to that, but she's yeah. always in favor. Wait, wait. Always a fan of trans nice the president. She's in the White House now. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Four yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Be ambitious, Jordan. Be that. ambitious. <laughs> we got Vice President Harris came out to the 10 West groundbreaking, so I think there's still an opportunity for President Biden to, you know, do more on transmission. Can't guarantee a pin, but, yeah. you know, we're, we're always... I loved that picture. <laughs> <laughs> I will do my best. That's what I can promise you. I want to I push a little bit more because yep. I do think... Um, we are, we, we're seeing the federal government push a lot of resources into these efforts um, and, and talking about reform necessary. But Jordan, I want to, you have this history of regulation as well. One of, one of the most salient parts of this Utility Dive article when Crystal shared it with me was this observation that the regulatory structures we have were built for a different time. And it's not just pushing resources into the same structure, but transforming the structures of these organizations. Does that resonate with you, or am I missing something? That is so on point. So, like one of the one of the one of the books I had in my office when I was a commissioner was Bond Bright's Principles of Whatever. I have that. It's yeah. on my desk. And I, it's still I, I relevant. It's yeah. written in like 1960 whatever. Yeah, and we can probably update that. Yeah, we yeah, probably could. Probably but could. no, I, I would say that like you know. Um, be, you know, these type of dynamic times call for a refresh of dynamic thinking. And really, that's when it comes to the regulatory paradigms, we need to really rethink how the three Ps, which we talk about a lot, permitting, paying, and policy, they have got to Planning. be meshed together and to be collaborative and to be iterative, because right now, they're working against each other. And ultimately, you pass one thing and it's like whack-a-mole. It just comes up here, and so you, without transmission, whether it's policy or payment, I mean, sorry, whether it's, whether it's those two issues, they are both in, ultimately gonna be um, roadblocked without the ability to actually have a transmission and some way to incentivize that. Yeah, and, and Mark, you talked about this actually in your last answer, right? We need to, as, as our grid changes, we need our organizations to change. Like, what, what do you think of NERCs? Like, as it, is it one of the organizations that need to evolve in the way it approaches issues? Or what are your, what's your take on the need to well, evolve our institutions? Certainly, I, I'm all for modernization as we start taking a look at how we develop standards, working with industry, how long that takes, how quickly we need to be moving in the future, taking a look at some of the different structures. But let's, let's be honest here. This is a substantive change in the way in which we plan the system. It used to be one day in 10. Boom. If you want to build a transmission line, you're fortifying that one day in 10. You're getting to a reserve margin for firm transactions. But now we're building a system that is energy uh, you know, constrained. It depends on the wind, the solar, is the gas being delivered on time, and where is it coming from, and is the wellhead frozen up and all that. So we need to understand, and Nerquiz have been assigned now to do this transfer capability study. I know you're all fans of it. <laughs> yeah. you know, thank you. <laughs> there are a few that are not. But, uh, and really it came down to, okay, what is the transfer capability today? What should it be? What is a prudent level? Well, gee, what's the energy, unserved energy that we need to be building toward? We know the one day in 10, but within a one day in 10, you have many energy scenarios based on, based on the capacity and all that kind of, so we have to understand what we're building to, and also understanding that we need to think about how we globalize the markets. By, that is to say, how do I get a line from New York ISO to PJM? 
How do I get a line through multiple markets when markets themselves don't want to compete with other markets? So we have some substantial challenges within markets, within generators that are trying to stop the building of transmission. It's not just permitting, but it's also those, those folks that feel that they, they actually get gain out of congestion, out of having that, that stinking solar stuff way a ways away so they can make more money locally. So we have to start thinking about how we break down some of those barriers that we ourselves set up. I really believe that if we have, we can go to a state and say, you know, this is a reliability issue. People die if we don't build this transmission line because we got to get energy from here to over there because of the cold weather that they, they can't do it on their own. And we also have to change the mind of the public to say, I used to live in Wausau, Wisconsin. By the way, I'm good at eating wings because my dad told me that I was good at eating wings. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we didn't want to build some stinking transmission line to help Milwaukee. I was in Wausau. We didn't want to do that. We have to change the public's mind around, this is important about being green, about getting to our, our, our future, uh, and, and you play a role in this uh, by enabling the building of transmission, not standing in its way. You mentioned, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you mentioned the changing dynamics for the way we plan and thinking about different, the, the way we model our system differently. One of the takes on Energy Twitter that is still like, I'm still processing, but was that wind and solar resources are like replacing your fuel, but you still have to replace the generators yeah. because you need that dispatchable capability. And that can be batteries, that can be the transmission lines. No, it can't lines. be batteries. It can't be batteries. It's not long enough. Well, you, if you got, if you got, if you got, you got 50 degrees in Texas. Hydro. There's if you storage got, hydro. Oh, that's in a, Texas, that's you don't have that much. Batteries. It's not the there's solution for long-term, widespread new, weather uh, compressed patterns. Air storage company. If you, that we have, have, if you have a cloudy day yeah. in Wisconsin, <laughs> how the heck are you going to make that up with a battery? <laughs> I also said transmission. Yes. Well, yeah, and, and speaking of transmission, I mean, I think one, you know, back to the, the, the recovery or the paradigm, I think one issue too is like transmission is turned into like a Swiss army knife of benefits. Like if you think right. about traditionally how you recovered costs, at least on the IOU standpoint, I don't think that we really begin to think about A, how it's it, the, the benefits or the costs of not doing it, because there are avoided costs of not actually uh, putting in transmission to avoid economic disruption and loss of life. But really the benefits, I think, are really, could be longer term. And so I think that like from a used and useful standpoint, that's something that has to be rethought. Oh, too. used and useful, Whoa. I don't know what that means. There's a regulator. Is, start talking also about <laughs> who's gonna pay for this line, used who's benefiting from this line. We all are benefiting from the line. The United States of America is benefiting from the line. Canada is benefiting from the line. Whoa! <laughs> they yes, they do. Whitney, My point I want to get you back into the conversation right. because this, this, you know, we started thinking about no transition without transmission, but then we talked about the institutional evolution. What do you think of that theory that there is the used and useful standard may have worked well? at a prior time, but maybe we need to rethink our regulatory paradigm. Sure, and one of the things around institution transformation and, and transition that we haven't talked about yet is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. So FERC has a number of proposed rulemakings and some that they've moved forward and, and some others that are in process looking at some of these challenges around transmission, right? The need to have regional planning, the need, the need to have new cost allocation frameworks. They recently uh, finalized Order 2023 on interconnection standards and, and updating those to hopefully work to help clear the interconnection queues. And so I think there is a recognition of the regulatory institutions that there is a need for change and that we do need to make progress in order to meet the, the no transition without transmission goal. 
And yeah. when we talk about planning, I mean, it hasn't, it's been done like short term and we need to do longer term. We need to run different scenarios for the different world we're imagining. Yes. Yeah, and so one of the things that DOE and the Grid Deployment Office is doing right now is longer term transmission planning study just like that. So they have a national transmission planning study working with the National Renewable Energy Laboratory and Pacific Northwest National Lab, a two year study, have invited in technical stakeholders that may include many of you in the audience to be part of their technical review committee to really build robust, uh, a robust look at the, what what are the long-term needs of the grid? Not just what's needed for next year or for this region, but broadly and across the country and thinking about it through 2050. I, skilled. That's a great transition to our next topic, isn't it? Such a it? great segue. It's such a great segue. So let's get into it because uh, y'all are going to have spicy. The spiciest take I could come up with was interregional cost allocation. Oh. That is, for me, the spiciest <laughs> of takes. Um, so we've got... Her? The hottest house wings that they have available. Ooh. Okay. At least I, I see think that's what it is. peppers on those. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Crystal. Okay. All right. All right. FERC and Nehru, you, you said, uh, which are respectively the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and the National Association of Regulatory Utility Commissioners. You, you know that. I know. Yep. Initiated the Joint Federal State Task Force. This is back in June 2021. And the task force is comprised of all FERC commissioners. There are fewer now than there were <laughs> then. And, Tate, and, and 10 state commissioner representatives. The task force is commissioned with focusing on, quote, topics related to efficiently and fairly planning and paying for transmission, including transmission to facilitate generator interconnection that provides benefits from a federal and state perspective. In 2022, FERC issued a notice to proposed rulemaking, NOPER, aimed at enhancing regional transmission planning and improving the current approach to allocating costs of regionally planned transmission. Last week on October 1st, Gridworks issued a report on behalf of the Western States Transmission Initiative that carried the narrative forward with recommendations to form a CREPSI, which I actually don't, I can't, I, we talked about it in our last two episodes Committee ago. On regional Electric Power cooperation. I can't, got it. I can't fact check. Yeah, I wow. actually no idea. I'm gonna say transmission working group and seek U.S. Department of Energy assistance to identify interregional transmission projects. Earlier this year, the Department of Energy's Grid Deployment Office, which we've talked about, issued the National Transmission Needs Study, which is different from the planning study. And the needs study concluded that the highest value of new transmission is across the three electrical interconnections and during extreme weather events. There are very nice infographics in that report. There are, it's really well done. I don't know if you were involved with the infographics, but it's really good. <laughs> I love a good infographic, frankly. I was not, but I do want to shout out Dr. Adria Books and the Grid Deployment Office who, did, she's a, who led a she's lot of the work. Right. She's, she's great. Yeah. Shout out. Everybody should forward her this podcast so she yeah. listens and gets the shout out, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we should all she's do. Outstanding. Forward it to all your friends. Yeah. Love those infographics. Okay. Um, and the highest anticipated interregional transmission needs are from the Mid-Atlantic to the Midwest and the Midwest to the Plains and the interregional transmission with the highest value are, of course, any connections with Texas. Yeah, not surprising, right? <laughs> we all knew that answer. Jordan, interregional cost allocation was the spiciest take we could find. I've heard that it's a poison pill. Yes. 
And, um, and? <laughs> and? You're dead. What's after that? <laughs> Poison pill. <laughs> but I did hear that at a PNUC meeting uh, when we invited Neil Millar from the California Independent System Operator. Uh, he said that we underestimated the chilling effect cost allocation can have on planning. Yes, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, poison pill, I love that. Um, I don't love poison pills. I just love <laughs> you don't that take them very often? <laughs> no, but, but I mean, it, it really, I mean, as a, as a former chemistry, that, that basically, those, that, them's fighting words. And, and you, get, you get, no matter how many people you get into the Thunderdome of a conference room with the FERC folks and the, the state regulators, these folks, everyone has a boss, whether they're elected, whether they're appointed, et cetera. And I think right now, if you look at the Order 1000 paradigm of economic reliability and policy, I'm not sure, you know, speaking of, the, of, the, of kind of like things not keeping up, I'm not sure if those are really capture the full breadth of what the new grid needs to do. Because again, the new grid has to do something much more. It has to do yeah. more than serve load. And so if you're talking about inter-regional transmission, we need new metrics for reliability. We need new value counting. And, and really, one thing that's never even come up in, in my time as a commissioner was really the value of like getting to new nodes, power cost benefits. And so that, that is, it is a real challenge because we have amazing planners all throughout the country. But when you start talking about like who's gonna like pick up the check at the end of dinner, people start twirling their thumbs and looking other directions because it's someone else's problems. It's Portland's problems. It's Los Angeles problems. It's not our problem. It's Seattle's problem. Seattle's problem. It's definitely your problem. It's definitely my problem. It's definitely Seattle's problem. That's why it's on here, right? That's yes. my problem. I need you to solve it, yeah. right? Yeah, that's or, right. Or it's Washington's problem, not Wyoming's. Yeah, absolutely. It's not Utah's. Yeah. No. It isn't? No, it's not Utah's. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, so, Mark, is it a poison pill? What's your take on interregional transmission planning and cost allocation? Like, what? Well, I, I don't have a take on it. You don't I, have a take. I, I care about reliability of the bulk power system. I want to make sure that it's there to serve the public and, and, and for the public good. It, that we have the basic rules of the road, this table stakes to say, you do this. And then on top of that, you can figure out how you're going to allocate and all that. I will say this. When it comes to reliability, that has to be paramount. I don't care what the cost allocation is. We can we got to figure that out. But people need their energy, and they're going to need it more in the future than they ever had in the past. That means we have to have the transmission to do it. And I don't. We want to get out our slide rules and figure out who's going to pay more over this or that. Uh, when, when there's an emergency, we need the transmission, and that's what that should be the basis for the conversation. Yeah, it, it's a callback to like the one of the first topics we talked about. Right? Was that if you. If you fail in the reliability mission, you erode the public policy motivation for your, for your constituencies, right? If we have policies we need to achieve and we cannot do them reliably, it will erode the confidence to sure. be able to do them. And, and Am I right, Wendy, about that? Or? Meanwhile, the public yeah. is becoming more and more dependent on electricity. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your take? Am, am I, what, what is your take on like the need for transmission for reliability so we don't erode public trust in our institutions? I agree, and I think it goes back to the, how we started this conversation. I think it's crucially important. I think the to the planning aspects of it. I think the interregional planning and having you know collaborations come together that are not just focused on any one state or any one jurisdiction's concerns, but thinking about it more broadly is much needed. And it is something that we, you know we've been supporting the Department of Energy. We got funding from it through the Inflation Reduction Act to do some more interregional planning. 
one of the areas that I think has been done most collaboratively, most collaboratively, most recently, is within the, the offshore wind transmission space. As they're thinking about on the Atlantic coast and also also off of the Pacific coast, how are they going to bring the states, the regulators, the ISOs on, on the on the Atlantic coast together to be thinking about it? Because it's not just any one state or any one RTO's challenge. It comes it's across a much broader geography, and having the right people in the room to help have the planning conversations to ensure that you have a, re a reliable system is what's needed. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, not, we're not leveraging diversity in this country. We, we have a diversity of topography, a, di a diversity of resources, a diversity of time. We're letting it be the enemy of us imploded, but really if we work together, really because it's really a common, a common interest of all of us. It's, it's safety, it's national security, it's, it's the economic development. It's the basic, and we all, we all lived through COVID, and without, without reliability, I was grateful for that every day. Thank you for your service, both of you, because it, it really, I mean, it was, and to all the, all the people, all the line workers, all the craft people, the people who were there every day when I was in my little, you know, um, warm little house and people were actually out there doing it, it's, it's, not, it's not a joke. I mean, joking aside, it is so critical to what we do. I think sometimes that people like take it take it for granted every day that like we're, we're alive and well and be able to have an economy with it. Excellent. Yep. Well, thank you. I think I perceived that we didn't have spicy enough wings. They got through these, those these wings way too easy. They got through way too easy. These are like uh, I don't believe it. none of you are sweating. Well, these none are of you like, like <laughs> barely touched your water. I don't know. Were our topics spicy enough? Maybe our topics weren't spicy these, enough. These are, not, okay. these, are not, these are not Scottsdale spicy. These are maybe spicy for well, like... We yeah. had the sauce over oh. Yeah, so, okay, so we came up, <laughs> Crystal and I came up with our three spiciest take, right? Mm -hmm. Inverter-based resource reli reliability events and grid-forming inverters. Uh, institutional evolution and interregional cost allocation. So this last segment is meant to be your hottest takes from an engineering policy and business perspective. You, so we got you plain wings, and we have what I believe is a hot one sauce up here. Oh, a couple of them. Oh, we got a couple of them. It's the Classics Hot Sauce. So this is actually hot. It's, uh, it's heat level is, I don't know, two out of 10. So, but that's, that's a, not a, I forget what the Scoville score of this is, but these are really hot. Okay. So. Uh, are you going for it? The last segment. Do you like? Spicy things? It's, I don't not like spicy things. Okay. Let's see. Oh my god. We're gonna go for it. Maybe just a dab. Maybe just a dab. Don't shake it off. The transfer capacity of that thing is like really like that's gigawatt miles. We didn't get into gigawatt miles. I forgot I was gonna ask you about gigawatt miles. We can still ask. Yeah. So before, what's a gigawatt mile? I'm with engineering, so the question. Oh, but it, I have no anyway. idea what a gigawatt mile is. It was in Whitney, the will you come back on the podcast study. and talk about gigawatt miles with me? Sure, I'll okay. think I can bring Adrian books with me. Yes, yes, yes. and some infographics. <laughs> yes, and infographics. Okay, so the, I think we're, we're at a good timing. Our idea is give us your spiciest take. Crystal had this idea as we were prepping. Why don't you explain the idea? Oh, okay. Lightning round, though. Lightning so round. So you're just going to give the spiciest take you can think of while you're eating these wings. Are they hot? No. Put more spice on there. So we have more hotter <laughs> spices. This isn't even like Tabasco, though. This is like. It's got a vinegar. It's a more vinegar. Yeah, it's like kind of like. It's like. Oh, it's a okay. Kitten. It's, it's a got, we've got We've got legitimately what is the hottest okay. one. All right. Lightning uh, round. Okay. okay, so okay I think right. we're. Yeah. I mean, we've got some time, but. Yes. You're gonna tell us your spiciest take. 
Not a whole lot of commentary, though. Again, this is kind of a lightning round situation. But for the next two days, on this spicy, spicy take, anybody gets to come up and talk to you about it. So if you've got questions about this spicy take, if you want to debate this spicy take with three experts we have here, that's what the next two days are about. Okay, spicy take, Jordan. Okay. Oh, can I have two? Sure. Sure. You want to go there. Okay. I so think the, Natalie may have said no. No. But we said yes. <laughs> no, the, here, here's the first one. Here, here's a big concept. Is there, it, it, do we need to bring together, if you're going to have a policy mandate, does there need to be a feasibility test or does that need to be tied to, can we get it, do we, do we get it done, the transmission? In other words, it, it, should there be a requirement that if you're going to pass some kind of law requiring some kind of generation that you should have some kind of connectivity and a feasibility around transmission? Spicy take. That's right. We can debate it okay, that's later. My, that's my question. Over, over okay, drinks. Okay, that's your take. Is that your first take? Do you, Do you have want two? two? You want us to come back? Do you oh, want yeah. to close it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll so give you. Okay, Mark? More sauce. You've got two, too. Okay, we're going to, I don't know, Whitney's got wow, three. Okay, oh, this is going to be fun. All right. you got to be quick, though. What's your first one? Well, what the Rivalry Issue Steering Committee, basically, one of the other things they came up with as far as a current risk is that energy policy is impacting reliability. That they're not considering reliability when they make these kind of targets. Really related uh, we, have, we have incentives for end use. We have incentives for generation. Very little incentives until your office was opened up for transmission. No tax uh, and, and I think we need even more uh, of those incentives to make, make sure we can tie this together. So policymakers need to kind of get reliability into the game. That's uh, very, very similar to your hot take, Jordan. Whitney, what's your first hot take? Apparently we're doing two. Apparently we're doing two. But my first one is that we don't talk enough about workforce, right? I think that oh, in, yeah, in order so to meet the, this, you know, this transition, this transmission, this build out, I, we need workforce support at all levels, right? We need the engineers that are working on the planning efforts. You know, we need more construction is at a premium because there's infrastructure, infrastructure dollars going everywhere, line workers and more. So I think workforce is an area under discussed, but much needed in order for us to be successful here. What about the lawyers and the social workers? I mean, I guess. <laughs> no, <somebody else. laughs> let's, let's make them into engineers and craft yeah. workers. Electric <laughs> utility enthusiasm trifecta, electrification, markets, and people. There Workforce, that's the yeah, trifecta. Yeah. It's like, we get right on brand. Thank you, Whitney. Okay, we're, a second hot take, Mark. Uh, we have a new interconnected system now. The interconnected system includes the electric and gas. What happens on one impacts the other. Just like in 1965 when we had a blackout because one utility did something, impacted others. Now what happens on the gas impacts the electric system and vice versa. What is the gas industry now doing bringing to the, what, what, what are their table stakes? Are they going to dry the gas? Are they going to be there when we need them for, for reserves? And vice versa, what are we doing? We're going to be making sure they are winterized with electricity, that make sure we don't shut them off when we need them. So this is a new interconnected system. We need to be working together to set the rules for reliability. 100%. Yeah, sounds like a mid-transition to right. me. Both Crystal and I, Crystal at Peanut and I on Public Power Underground have talked to Dr. Emily Gruber from the University of Notre Dame, who is yeah. studying deeply the mid-transition and the importance of a planned transition for, um, for a just energy transition. So we're, we're I'm on board. We've yeah. got to plan this. We've got to make sure plan. the last people on the line aren't the most vulnerable people on the line. Plan with intention. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, you had two. Yeah, my, mine, is, mine is just a question more of like, you know, based upon what we project, the, the $12 trillion, putting aside whether you think that the policies are right behind it, where we're going, the current variability in resources, et cetera, can we get there without collaborating? By collaborating, I mean 
the business models, public power, yeah. investor-owned utilities, yeah. different communities, generators. tribes, generators, gas. Will we ever get there unless we kind of put down our sharks and jets mentality and work together? No, we won't get there unless we do that. There's some dance move. Whitney, yeah. you got you, you close it out with your second or third hot take. All right. Look, my last hot take is I think that we are we are making progress. I think everyone wants to point out where there's opportunities for growth, where there's opportunities to, you know, that we're still not there yet. But I think it's worth taking in this moment how much progress we have made and how much we do have all the stakeholders paying attention, you know, rolling up their sleeves, doing the work, and really being part of the game and part of the discussion and part of the solutions, including the federal government. Right? We have a grid deployment office. You know, we have leadership at the White House really taking transmission seriously. You know, looking to advance the cause of, of you know. Planning, permitting, paying, you know, we have attention paid to transmission, which we need. And this we should celebrate in this moment, yeah. but also recognize that we are we are still have a ways to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love your optimism. It's so encouraging. This yes. is an exciting, so exciting um, moment to be in this business. So it I'm is. glad you ended it there. And your collaboration, I mean, we get there with strong partnerships. Right, ending it on opti optim optimism. Optimism. Why couldn't I come up with and the words? And enthusiasm. Okay. And enthusiasm. So thank you all for sharing your spicy takes and everything. And special thanks to Grid Alliance for hosting us in this event. I'm looking forward to that conversation over the next few days. And do give a round of applause for Alyssa, who helped with all the yeah, logistics. Yeah, yeah. Please. And to you, our guests, I hope you feel valued and appreciated. Whitney, do you feel valued and appreciated? Yes, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks Good. for having me. Yeah. Mark, do you feel seen and heard and valued and well, appreciated? I, I'm gonna be, I hope you're going to hear a lot more from me. <laughs> Please, yeah, right. for the next few days. Absolutely. Spicy. Jordan, you put this all together. You connected us. Do you feel the, the belonging uh, uh, is part of this conversation? The sisterhood of the electrons in this room. I, I, I feel like I just feel like a buzz. So exciting! Of so exciting! We've we can the do this together. The, the, Thank you for the doing this. The sisterhood of the travel, traveling electrons. electrons. Yes. We need. That's got to be some merch. Somebody's got to put that merch together. Crystal, like a, a thank you pants. for doing this with me. Thank you. Do you for, feel valued yeah, and appreciated? I do. Yeah. Thank you so I'm much. I'm so honored to be an executive producer of That's Public right. Power Underground. That's thank right. you for inviting me to do this. This is the season finale for season five. We don't know if we'll be back, but if we are, please find us on all the apps and all the YouTubes and everything like that. Please share it with electric utility enthusiasts in your life. We try to make topics infotaining, but informative. Not a but, and informative. And. That's right. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, it's work to watch. We started in hard times to bring us all in. Into the laughter through thick and through thin For public power enthusiasts without and within Roll on enthusiasts, roll on This recording is the season finale for season 5 of Public Power Underground. As I mentioned with the panelists, each is uncertain. We expect to be back for season 6 after a break, but if you want to help us make sure we do, leave us a review. Thank our sponsors like Gridlines for making it possible. And if you know leadership at Seattle City Light, let them know it is adding value to the Northwest Energy Community.
Public Power Underground is a production of Seattle City Light and News Data. The views expressed are our own and not the official views of Seattle City Light, PNUC, or News Data, or the organization of the guests also appearing on Public Power Underground, like NERC, Gridlines, or The White House. Public Power Underground is electric utility and electric utility adjacent news from a power department's perspective. Today's episode was written and produced by Paul Dockery and Crystal Ball. It's edited and published by the Stellar team at Pioneer Utility Resources with sound mixing by Lucas Smith and video editing by Brendan Delzer. If you have a podcast and you want support video editing, sound editing, or producing, reach out to our friends at Pioneer Utility Resources. Our theme song, Roll On Enthusiast, was rewritten, performed, and recorded by Aaron Guillory and Ian Bledsoe. You can find Public Power Underground on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please share with electric utility enthusiasts like us to help them find us. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, it's work to watch.